section twenty two of the crime of sylvestre bonnard by anatole france this librivox recording is in the public domain june six it was the first thursday in june i shut up my books and took my leave of the holy abbot dractovius who being now in the enjoyment of celestial bliss cannot feel very impatient to behold his name and works glorified on earth through the humble compilation being prepared by my hands must i confess it that mallow plant i saw visited by a bee the other day has been occupying my thoughts much more than all the ancient abbots who ever bore grosier or wore mitres there is in one of sprengel's books which i read in my youth at that time when i used to read in my youth at that time when i used to read anything and everything some ideas about loves of flowers which now return to memory after having been forgotten for half a century and which to-day interests me so much that i regret not to have devoted the humble capacities of my mind to the study of insects and of plants and only a while ago my housekeeper surprised me at the kitchen window in the act of examining some wallflowers through a magnifying glass it was while looking for my cravat that i made these reflections but after searching to no purpose in a great number of drawers i found myself obliged after all to have recourse to my housekeeper therese came limping in monsieur she said you ought to have told me you were going out and i would have given you your cravat but therese i replied would it not be a great deal better to put in some place where i could find it without your help therese did not deign to answer me therese no longer allows me to arrange anything i cannot even have a handkerchief without asking her for it and as she is deaf crippled and what is worse beginning to lose her memory i languish in perpetual destitution but she exercises her domestic authority with such quiet pride that i do not feel the courage to attempt a coup d'etat against her government my cravat therese do you hear my cravat if you drive me wild like this with your slow ways it will not be a cravat i shall need but a rope to hang myself you must be in a very great hurry monsieur replied therese your cravat is not lost nothing is ever lost in this house because i have charge of everything but please allow me the time at least to find it yet here i thought to myself here is the result of half a century of devotedness and self-sacrifice ah if by any happy chance this inexorable therese had once in her whole life only once failed in her duty as a servant if she had ever been at fault for one single instant she could never have assumed this inflexible authority over me and i should at least have the courage to resist her but how can one resist virtue the people who have no weaknesses are terrible there is no way of taking advantage of them just look at therese for example she has not a single fault for which you can blame her she has no doubt of herself nor of god nor of the world she is the valiant woman the wise virgin of scripture others may know nothing about her but i know her worth in my fancy i always see her carrying a lamp a humble kitchen lamp illuminating the beams of some rustic roof a lamp which will never go out while suspended from that meagre arm of hers scraggy and strong as a vine branch therese my cravat don't you know wretched woman that to-day is the first thursday in june and that mademoiselle jean will be waiting for me the schoolmistress has certainly had the parlour floor vigorously waxed i am sure one can look at oneself in it now and it will be quite a consolation for me when i slip and break my old bones upon it which is sure to happen sooner or later to see my rueful countenance reflected in it as in a looking-glass then taking for my model 
that amiable and admirable hero whose image is carved upon the handle of uncle victor's walking-stick i will control myself so as not to make too ugly a grimace see what a splendid sun the keys are all gilded by it and the sand smiles in countless little flashing wrinkles the city is gold a dust haze blonde and gold-toned as a woman's hair floats above its beautiful contours therese my cravat i can now comprehend the wisdom of that old chrysal who used to keep his neckbands in a big plutarch hereafter i shall follow his example by laying all my neckties away between the leaves of the acta sanctorum therese let me talk on and keeps looking for the necktie in silence i hear a gentle ringing at our door-bell therese i exclaim there is somebody ringing the bell give me my cravat and go to the door or rather go to the door first and then with the help of heaven you will give me my cravat but please do not stand there between the clothes-press and the door like an old hack-horse between two saddles therese marched to the door as if advancing upon the enemy my excellent housekeeper becomes more inhospitable the older she grows every stranger is an object of suspicion to her according to her own assertion this disposition is the result of a long experience with human nature i had not the time to consider whether the same experience on the part of another experimenter would produce the same results maitre mouche was waiting to see me in the ante-room maitre mouche is still more yellow than i had believed him to be he wears blue glasses and his eyes keep moving uneasily behind them like mice running about behind a screen maitre mouche excuses himself for having intruded upon me at a moment when he does not characterize the moment but i think he means to say a moment in which i happen to be without my cravat it is not my fault as you very well know maitre mouche who does not know does not appear to be at all shocked however he is only afraid that he might have dropped in at the wrong moment i succeeded in partially reassuring him at once upon that point he then tells me it is as guardian of mademoiselle alexandre that he has come to talk with me first of all he desires that i shall not hereafter pay any heed to those restrictions he had at first deemed necessary to put upon the permit given to visit mademoiselle jeanne at the boarding-school henceforth the establishment of mademoiselle prefere will be open to me any day that i might choose to call between the hours of midday and four o'clock knowing the interest i have taken in the young girl he considers it his duty to give me some information about the person to whom he has confided his ward mademoiselle prefere whom he has known for many years is in possession of his utmost confidence mademoiselle prefere is in his estimation an enlightened person of excellent morals and capable of giving excellent counsel mademoiselle prefere he said to me has principles and principles are rare these days monsieur everything has been totally changed and this epoch of ours cannot compare with the preceding ones my stairway is a good example monsieur i replied twenty-five years ago it used to allow me to climb it without any trouble and now it takes my breath away and wears my legs out before i have climbed half a dozen steps it has had its character spoiled then there are those journals and books i used once to devour without difficulty by moonlight to-day even in the brightest sunlight they mock my curiosity and exhibit nothing but a blur of white and black when i have not got my spectacles on then the gout has got into my limbs that is another malicious trick of the times not only that monsieur gravely replied maitre mouche but what is really unfortunate in our epoch is that no one is satisfied with his position from the top of society to the bottom in every class there prevails a discontent a restlessness a love of comfort 
mon dieu monsieur i exclaimed you think this love of comfort is a sign of the times men have never had at any epoch a love of discomfort they have always tried to better their condition this constant effort produces constant changes and the effort is always going on that is all there is about it ah monsieur replied maitre mouche it is easy to see that you live in your books out of the business world altogether you do not see as i see them the conflicts of interest the struggle for money it is the same effervescence in all minds great or small the wildest speculations are being everywhere indulged in what i see around me simply terrifies me i wondered within myself whether maitre mouche had called upon me only for the purpose of expressing his virtuous misanthropy but all at once i heard words of a more consoling character issue from his lips maitre mouche began to speak to me of virginie prefere as a person worthy of respect of esteem and of sympathy highly honourable capable of great devotedness cultivated discreet able to read aloud remarkably well extremely modest and skilful in the art of applying blisters then i began to understand that he had only been painting that dismal picture of universal corruption in order the better to bring out by contrast the virtues of the schoolmistress i was further informed that the institution in the rue de Mour was well patronized prosperous and enjoyed a high reputation with the public maitre mouche lifted up his hand with a black woollen glove on it as if making oath to the truth of these statements then he added i am enabled by the very character of my profession to know a great deal about people a notary is to a certain extent a father confessor i deemed it my duty monsieur to give you this agreeable information at the moment when a lucky chance enabled you to meet mademoiselle prefere there is only one thing more which i would like to say this lady who is of course quite unaware of my action in the matter spoke to me of you the other day in terms of deepest sympathy i could only weaken their expression by repeating them to you and furthermore i could not repeat them without betraying to a certain extent the confidence of mademoiselle prefere do not betray it monsieur do not betray it i responded to tell you the truth i had no idea that mademoiselle prefere knew anything whatever about me but since you have the influence of an old friend with her i will take advantage of your good will monsieur to ask you to exercise that influence in behalf of mademoiselle jeanne alexandre the child for she is still a child is overloaded with work she is at once a pupil and a mistress she is overtasked besides she is punished in petty disgusting ways and hers is one of those generous natures which will be forced into revolt by such continual humiliation alas replied maitre mouche she must be trained to take her part in the struggle of life one does not come into this world simply to amuse oneself and to do just what one pleases one comes into this world i responded rather warmly to enjoy what is beautiful and what is good and to do as one pleases when the things one wants to do are noble intelligent and generous an education which does not cultivate the will is an education that depraves the mind it is a teacher's duty to teach the pupil how to will i perceived that maitre mouche began to think me a rather silly man with a great deal of quiet self-assurance he proceeded you must remember monsieur that the education of the poor has to be conducted with a great deal of circumspection and with a view to that future state of dependence they must occupy in society perhaps you are not aware that the late noel alexandre died a bankrupt and that his daughter is being educated almost by charity oh monsieur i exclaimed do not say it to say it is to pay oneself back and then the statement ceases to be true the liabilities of the estate continued the notary 
exceeded the assets but i was able to effect a settlement with the creditors in favour of the miner he undertook to explain matters in detail i declined to listen to these explanations being incapable of understanding business methods in general and those of maitre mouche in particular the notary then took it upon himself to justify mademoiselle profere's educational system and observed by way of conclusion it is not by amusing oneself that one can learn it is only by amusing oneself that one can learn i replied the whole art of teaching is only the art of awakening the natural curiosity of young minds for the purpose of satisfying it afterwards and curiosity itself can be vivid and wholesome only in proportion as the mind is contented and happy those acquirements crammed by force into the minds of children simply clog and stifle intelligence in order that knowledge be properly digested it must have been swallowed with a good appetite i know jeanne if that child were entrusted to my care i should make of her not a learned woman for i would look to her future happiness only but a child full of bright intelligence and full of life in whom everything beautiful in art or nature would awaken some gentle responsive thrill i would teach her to live in sympathy with all that is beautiful comely landscapes the ideal scenes of poetry and history the emotional charm of noble music i would make lovable to her everything i would wish her to love even her needlework i would make pleasurable to her by a proper choice of fabrics the style of embroideries the designs of lace i would give her a beautiful dog and a pony to teach her how to manage animals i would give her birds to take care of so that she could learn the value of even a drop of water and a crumb of bread and in order that she should have a still higher pleasure i would train her to find delight in exercising charity and inasmuch as none of us may escape pain i should teach her that christian wisdom which elevates us above all suffering and gives a beauty even to grief itself that is my idea of the right way to educate a young girl i yield monsieur replied maitre mouche joining his black-gloved hands together and he rose of course you understand i remarked as i went to the door with him that i do not pretend for a moment to impose my educational system upon mademoiselle Prefere. it is necessarily a private one and quite incompatible with the organization of even the best managed boarding-schools i only ask you to persuade her to give jeanne less work and more play and not to punish her except in case of absolute necessity and to let her have as much freedom of mind and body as the regulations of the institution permit it was with a pale and mysterious smile that maitre mouche informed me that my observations would be taken in good part and should receive all possible consideration therewith he made me a little bow and took his departure leaving me with a peculiar feeling of discomfort and uneasiness i have met a great many strange characters in my time but never any at all resembling either this notary or this schoolmistress End of section twenty two